From the National Institutes of Health in Bethesda, Maryland, this is All About Grants. Hello, and welcome to another edition of NIH's All About Grants podcast. I'm your host, David Kossip, with the NIH's Office of Extramural Research. And today we'll be talking about an important issue for the protection of human participants in our NIH-funded clinical research, and that's related to certificates of confidentiality. We have with us Lindy Law. She is a human subjects officer within the OER's Division of Human Subjects Research. Thanks for being with us. Thank you. So the first question I'd like to start off with is, what is a certificate of confidentiality? So certificates of confidentiality are issued by NIH and a few other HHS agencies. They help minimize the risk to participants who were enrolled in research, such as biomedical, behavioral, or clinical research, by adding an additional layer of protection for maintaining confidentiality of private information. And the certificate actually legally prohibits disclosure of identifiable research information, except under limited circumstances. So can we actually get into that a little bit more? What do you mean by legally prohibiting disclosure? Yeah, so with limited exception, researchers are not allowed to disclose the name or any information, documents, or biospecimens that contain identifiable sensitive information for participants enrolled in a research study that's covered by a certificate. It prohibits disclosure in response to legal demands such as a subpoena, and it protects information even if that information is disclosed elsewhere. So let's get into some nuts and bolts questions. How does someone actually obtain a certificate of confidentiality? Yeah, that's a great question. So for researchers that are have NIH funding, there is no separate application process needed. So many of the research studies that NIH funds that are either partially or fully funded by NIH are automatically deemed issued a certificate underneath the certificate policy. And when there is this deemed issued a certificate, the investigators and institutions must comply with the disclosure requirements under the certificate. Where can someone find a certificate that might be associated with their study? Is it a term and condition of award? Well, it is a term and condition of the award. So NIH used to provide physical certificates, but we no longer provide those physical certificates that a specific NIH-funded study is covered by a certificate. So awardees are automatically deemed to have been issued a certificate. The certificate is not a physical document, like I said before, um, and it is an automatic process that they get a certificate. So an investigator would want to look at their terms and conditions of the award, their NIH grants policy statement, and the NIH Certificate of Confidentiality policy to serve as documentation for that specific study. Well, what about when the project stops, when funding stops, what happens to the protections afforded under the certificate? Yeah, that's a great question. So data that's collected under an active certificate is protected indefinitely. However, data may not be protected if it's collected after the certificate expires or after NIH funding ends. Can uh, certificate protections be continued after funding stops? Yes, they can. So investigators can apply for a certificate on the NIH certificate website. 
Now the website has specific instructions and frequently asked questions to assist investigators and their institutions who's, who are interested in applying for a certificate. What about for those who are not uh, NIH funded, can they get a certificate? They can. NIH funding is not required to issue a certificate. So investigators who are conducting human subjects research can apply for a certificate on the NIH Certificate of Confidentiality website, and that's regardless of their funding source. So earlier you mentioned that certificates have been deemed to be issued to most NIH-funded studies. How does someone know if theirs is one of them? Yeah, so it's up to the institution and the investigator to determine if that certificate policy applies to their study and then would therefore be deemed issued a certificate. So they have to ask a series of questions. And the first question is that, is their activity biomedical, behavioral, clinical, or other research? If the answer is no to that question, then we know that there is no certificate that's been deemed issued. What about on the flip side, what if it is considered research? Yeah, so there are other questions then that the investigator and institution would want to ask. And if the answer to any of those questions is yes, then they would be deemed issued. So the first question is, does the research involve human subjects as defined by the revised common rule? The second would be, is the investigator collecting or using biospecimens that are identifiable to an individual as part of the research? The third question, if collecting or using biospecimens as part of the research, is there a small risk that some combination of the biospecimen, a request for the biospecimen, or other available data sources could be used to deduce the identity of an individual? And then the fourth question is, does the research involve the generation of individual level human genomic data? So uh, moving on to a slightly uh, uh, different topic. So do the certificate protections <clears throat> apply to the data that are collected from a subrecipient? Yeah, subrecipients are also protected by the certificate and they also need to comply with the certificate requirements. So the protections of the certificate apply to all copies of information that's collected or used by the investigator, including those copies that are shared for other research, such as secondary research activities. So NIH expects investigators to inform subrecipients or anyone else who receives a copy of the data of those certificate protections. And in addition, the investigator is expected to ensure that their subrecipients comply with the certificate requirements. So uh, at the very beginning, you mentioned some disclosure requirements. Can we jump back to that and have you tell us a little bit more about that? So disclosure is not allowed except under limited circumstances. So an investigator is not allowed to disclose identifiable research information in any federal, state, or local civil, criminal, administrative, legislative, or other proceeding. And in addition, the investigator is not allowed to disclose identifiable research information to any other person who is not connected with the research. So when might disclosure be allowed? Yep, that's important to know. There are three circumstances when disclosure is allowed. So first, if the participant gives permission to disclose, then that would be allowed. And that an instance would be when a participant asks an investigator to send research results to their primary doctor. Um, the second time when disclosure is allowed, if a federal, state, or local law requires reporting of certain activities such as child abuse or elder abuse, 
or reporting certain infectious diseases, such as tuberculosis or salmonella food poisoning. So we really encourage investigators and institutions to familiarize themselves with laws in their area that would require these mandatory disclosure reportings. And then the third disclosure that's allowed is for a different research project, as long as the other research is compliant with the applicable federal human subjects regulations. So an example of this is when an investigator provides a sample of participants stored blood to a colleague who's conducting research on blood, and they've already received IRB approval for the research activity. And going back to the subpoena issue, what happens if someone does receive a subpoena uh, requesting the data that might be protected under a certificate? Yeah, so in most cases, the certificate is going to prevent disclosure of information by a subpoena. However, NIH recommends that the investigator immediately seek legal counsel from his or her institution if they do receive a subpoena. And in addition, we would recommend that the investigator always check with their legal counsel at their institution whenever there's a question about what the certificate would and would not cover. Well, what about in a situation where personally identifiable sensitive information on participants may have been disclosed without their consent. Yeah, NIH considers this a very serious offense and it's in violation of the certificate policy and it would be considered non-compliance with the terms and conditions of their NIH award. So enforcement action may include some really bad things such as disallowing costs, withholding a further award, or suspending or terminating their grant. Definitely uh, important information to know. Uh, any final thoughts you'd like to leave with the audience related to certificates? Yeah, I just want to reiterate the importance of the Certificate of Confidentiality, the protections that it provides, and to make sure that everyone is aware that NIH is interested and willing to work with investigators to help answer questions and to protect the human participants in their studies. Wonderful. Uh, thank you very much, Lindy, for this opportunity to hear more about the uh, Certificates of Confidentiality. Uh, for those who want more information, please do visit our NIH grants page on Certificates of Confidentiality. And you're also welcome to send an email directly to nih-coc-coordinator at mail.nih.gov. This has been David Cossett with NIH's All About Grants. Thank you.